This message is brought to you by Lighthouse Chapel International, a united denomination originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches. Welcome to the Life Preaching Message, where the Word of God is imparted clearly, practically, and comprehensively. Our aim is to provide a solid foundation, a Bible-based instruction to our church members, to equip them to teach and preach wherever they may be. Join us for a life-changing encounter as you listen to this message. It's a great day and we thank the Lord. But before we do, I want us to speak a word of prayer for our families. To speak. You know, everybody that is listening to me, everybody that is on this platform represents a family. I pray for you. You must pray for your families. Amen. And the reason why I'm saying it is because I believe there are many things we may never understand. And sometimes a significant spiritual event is occurring, but we just explain it away because there seems to be a natural reason why it is occurring. And so we want to pray for some few minutes. I want you to take some few minutes and pray for your family, your immediate family, your extended family, we want to call on God to have mercy and deliver from the spirit of death that is hovering around. You know, it will be like, oh, yeah, it's COVID, it's COVID, it's COVID. But you see, it is a spirit of death that is hovering around. And for most of you, or many of us, you may not understand the dynamics of the health system and how it works. You see, any system that is overloaded has a tendency to malfunction or to to not function efficiently. Similarly, the health system is like that. It's run by human beings that get tired and overwhelmed when the patients are many. Under normal circumstances, most hospitals don't operate at full capacity for long. It may be full capacity a day or two, but then the number drops and then it functions well. But now we have, because of this COVID evil disease that is all around, we have most hospitals operating at full capacity for a long time. It leads to a series of things. Secondly, the health workers are not immune to the, the the disease that is plaguing us. And therefore, they also have to be, be cautious and protect themselves because they are also people's mothers, people's fathers, and everybody's uncle. So what happens is that certain things that were done before this evil disease came into being, will not readily be done. Like, you will not have that close, frequent examination, assessment by a doctor, and even the nursing care. So all these things, they have a way of contributing to deaths that are not necessary. Now, even from the patient's side, when you are just coughing or something small, which if you go to hospital early, you would 
have it sorted out with ease without turning into a complicated problem. Because of even the risk involved in going to hospital, most people are just not going, taking things to hospital to start. And that is where now you only go to hospital when it's too late. So we need to pray against all these, all these things are spiritual. All these things, you can explain them in the natural, but it doesn't take away its spirituality or its spiritual origin. So as a Christian, born again Christian, I want you to stand on behalf of your family and plead the mercy of God. That Lord have mercy on us, deliver us from this evil. As I stand on the family's behalf, repenting and turning our hearts to you. So lift up your voice and begin to pray. Thank you, Holy Father. We are grateful for this opportunity that we have, that we have a God who hears us when we pray. And I stand on behalf, O oh Lord, of my family, and I declare to you that indeed we have not followed wholly after you. We have not lived according to your ways, but each of us have gone our own ways. But today I stand on their behalf and I repent. And I say, Lord, have mercy and deliver us from this evil, that we might declare your good works in the land of the living. For the dead cannot praise you, and the dead will not praise you. Therefore, keep us safe. Deliver us from evil. Help us. Help us. Lift up your voice and pray. Pray to the Lord. Father, help us. Help us. Help us and pray. Father, we desire your help. We desire your help in this season. We desire your mercy. We desire your protection. We desire your deliverance. We come against every evil that is set towards our household. As we pray for your help, Lord, to deliver us. We have no one else but you alone. Father, deliver us from this wicked spirit that is moving around and taking away the lives of men and women. Father, have mercy and keep us safe. May we recover. May we be delivered from every sickness that will lead to death. Deliver us. Heal us. For you have the power to heal us. And have mercy. And draw our hearts to you. Speak to us. Draw us closer. That we may give fully to you our hearts. And live for you. We thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Good. So I want to continue on my subject that I've been teaching or what I started a few weeks ago. I think two weeks or so ago. Already the weeks are moving very fast. You know what? I feel led in my spirit to declare a period of fasting and prayer. We are going to have our church denominational fasting from the 25th till the first week end of uh, February, whatever that date is. We're going to have that, and I'm sure many of you are aware already. But I felt led in my spirit to declare Tuesday and Wednesday as a day of prayer as a day of prayer, a day of fasting and praying about what is happening. The Lord told me this morning that when you pray, I I, I would answer. 
When you don't pray, you will not get your answers. So pray and you receive answers. So I'm leading you for us to pray and God will answer. The things we don't pray about does not change, but we want it to change and we don't want the enemy to have the upper hand over us. So I want to, this Tuesday and this Wednesday, I want all of us, if you really believe in spiritual things, I want all of us to fast and pray, standing on behalf of our families. Standing, you see some of you, your family, they are ancestral worshippers. Idol, pure idol worshippers. But you see, don't think that because they are idol worshippers, God doesn't love them. God loves them. And when you intercede on their behalf, God would hear and answer and deliver them and turn them from their wicked ways. Hallelujah. So on Tuesday and Wednesday, we are going to fast and pray. And I want each of us to pray for at least six hours. So all the prayer platforms, 3 a.m. prayer platforms, the prayer topic is, Lord, have mercy. So it is up to you to read your Bible, to find verses, to stand upon, to pray for your family. If you don't pray for your family, it's up to you. It's up to you. I'm not saying pray for your sheep. I'm saying pray for your family. Your family that is so dear to you, your family that is everything to you, that has loved you, has brought you and helped you in many ways. I'm asking you to fast and pray for them. Hallelujah. So, at least all the platforms that we have, 3 a.m. platforms, at least we must have three hours of intense prayer and interceding for our families and for ourselves. And then in the evening, we should have, all the platforms should have a prayer, three hours of good time of prayer. Three hours, whatever time your bishop will set, I expect all the bishops to set time and pray. And nobody should tell me that they have other problems. Nobody should tell me that. I want us to pray. And we want to ask God to intervene. And he would intervene. Amen. So that is what I believe we're going to do. And we must do it. And you must do it with all your heart. Because God answers prayer. He says, call on me and I would answer. It is not a done deal. It is not a hopeless situation. There is hope because we have a God who is alive, the God who is all-powerful, the God who delivers, and he will deliver us. Amen. Good. So, let's pray. Father, thank you. Bless your word as we speak. Holy Spirit, be the voice that speaks and not my voice. And I pray for the hearers that they may hear what you say. I thank you, Father, for this answered prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Good. So, last week I tried to describe the different states as described in Jeremiah chapter 2 and also as described in the book Backsliding. What, what it is. And I Started by, I mentioned a few things. I'm not sure what I mentioned, but I mentioned a few things. 
one of them describes my people, a person in a backslidden state. You see, backsliding is a process of going back. But you can also be in that state. That's, you can be in the backsliding state. Amen. And the Bible, as God was speaking to the Israelites through the prophet Jeremiah, he described what he sees as backsliding, what exactly it looks like to the people so that they can understand. And he said, you have, in Jeremiah 2.13, he said, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and healed them out systems, broken systems that can hold no water. That's, that's a description of backsliding or a backsliding state by God through his prophet. Is that they are forsaking me, the fountain of living waters, the fountain of the waters that brings life, the fountain of the waters that quenches your thirst, the fountain of, of the waters that would satisfy you. And the Bible says, in forsaking this fountain, that is God, the fountain of living waters, the people are hewn for themselves, systems, and not just systems, but broken systems that can hold no water. Now, the only reason, and, and oh, there, there could be many reasons, but I explained that. Why would somebody let go of a fountain of living waters and opt to have a system, and worse of all, a broken system that can hold no water? Now, the only reason, or one of the reasons that I came across was the fact that you cannot measure how much water is in the fountain to give you surety that the fountain will be there tomorrow morning. But after the system, you can have an idea and measure. And every effort you make to increase the water in the system, you can see it. But with the fountain, you are not sure of even things to do to keep it running. And therefore, when faced with a choice, it is natural according to the natural senses, to go for the system. But what the system is also, is it's described as broken system that can hold no water. And, and it's, it's broken because, and cannot hold water because sometimes you don't see that it's broken. But it is when you put the water in it that you discover that it's broken. And, and if we translate it to our normal day-to-day -day life, you see, many of us choose to depend on other things other than dependence on God. We don't trust, or we say we trust in God, but we don't depend on Him. We don't rely on Him. All our efforts is not to increase our dependence on God, but rather to increase our dependence on ourselves. So every effort we do because... It's like what I do for myself. I can see if I'm a lawyer or I'm an architect, or I'm a doctor, 
I know how much I'll get at the end of the month. And I know that if I work for 10 years, I'll be having X amount of money. And then this is how I can manage it. But if I'm depending on God, I'm, I'm not sure what he will give me next year. That you, you can't be sure of anything. So you have to live, depending on God means living by the day and trusting that tomorrow needs to be met. And most of us don't have that faith in God. And that is why we would forego God or forsake the fountain of living waters and heal to ourselves systems, broken systems that can hold over. Because most of the many systems that we hold, we, we heal to ourselves. It takes a small wind to destroy it. Some of the things we had our security in. I mean, it's just a matter of something small, some small change in economy with them before you realize you've lost the job that meant everything to you. You shall not lose your job in Jesus' name, but may your job not be your security. May God be your security. So we see clearly that God says that when you forsake him, you get it, when you forsake him, you have backslidden because you forsake him to go for something else. You don't forsake him to just stand there. No, you forsake him to go for something else. And so by, by that, he's describing us as backsliding. I know many of us, if we be honest with ourselves, that one of the things I've learned and I'm learning still is that people are not honest with themselves. They are not honest with other people and they are not honest with themselves, which is very sad. So the truth is there, staring them in the face, but they deny it. Then the other descriptions, I'll just quickly jump, is the description that I have planted you a noble vine. Verse 21, I have planted you a noble vine, holy and right seed. How then are thou turned into a degenerate plant of a strange vine unto me? God is saying he has planted us, the seed of the Holy Spirit in us. The seed of our spirit being born again is meant to bring out of our lives a vine that is noble, a vine that is, it's, is beautiful, that is glorious. Now, unfortunately, many of us, even though we are born again, and that is the birth of a reborn spirit in us, even though we have the Holy Spirit residing in us, our lives and our walk is yielding nothing but strange vines, thorns, and things that nobody can even enjoy. And that is the state, the Bible is describing that, that state is the backsliding state. It's not, you are not where you ought to be. Amen. And then the third point is I have, it says, how can thou say I am not polluted? I have not gone after building. See thy way in the valley. And I said, what else? And reads on and, and, and I, I asked myself, what makes this possible? One of the answers I gave myself was, it's because when you begin to see things in your perspective, you see, our state, the backsliding state, which many of us are, you see, and don't stop arguing with me that you are not backsliding. Stop it. Because if, if I'm not describing you according to your perspective. 
Neither am I describing you and me according to my perspective. I'm describing you and me according to God's perspective. And it's God's perspective that matters. Let me stop arguing. Because at the end of the day, this is the examiner. This is the one who says this is the right answer. What you think and what you say doesn't, it doesn't count. So if God is saying that we are polluted and we have gone, we have become like wild asses sniffing the wind and being found by any evil. Yeah, when you read it, that, don't, don't sometimes when you read it, try to bring the thing to you, not to somebody else. Don't imagine a zoo and camel walking on. You are the camel. Sniffing around. How easy does evil find us? Many of us, it's not difficult at all. Evil doesn't have to go far. It just has to stand by the roadside and we will, we will go to it. Hallelujah. And I'm, I am believing that the reason why this is possible is because we see things in our own perspective. So once you begin to see things in your own perspective, you, you become readily available to the enemy's ways. So we need to change and begin to see things in God's perspective. And this is possible also when we are dominated by our carnal nature or our natural self. James 1, 4 says, every man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own lust and is enticed. Hallelujah. And then I mentioned the fourth one, which is Jeremiah 2, 32, where God asked a question, can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? And the answer is, Yet my people have forgotten me days without numbers. And I ask myself, why would a maid do this? The only reason is her not knowing what makes her beautiful. Similarly, backsliders and people in backsliding state are ignorant of what a closer walk with God brings into their lives. You know, God is our beauty. God is our beauty. In in uh, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, Paul says that we give thanks to God or we are bound to give thanks to God. And the reason is this. The reason is that through our gospel, he has called you to share in the glory of Christ, to share in the beauty. He said, but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God had from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit. And believe of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. To the obtaining. What does NLT say? To the obtaining. Whereunto he called you. Just give me NLT. He called you to salvation when the good news 
now, or he called you to salvation through the good news. Now you can share the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now you can share, you can share, now you can share the glory, the beauty of having dominance over the works of the enemy, the beauty of leading lives that bless many people and still blessing many people. The glory of Jesus is what we have been called to share in. Hallelujah. So, you see, it is only when you don't understand this that unfortunately many of us make our Christian work to be something else. Many of us make our Christian work to be something else, which is contrary to what we are being called to. You see, your Christian work is not a work. God is not calling you to salvation so that you can have your desires and certain lustful carnal instincts. And most of us, our desires, when evaluated, is very carnal or else is useless. The things that we have in our hearts for ourselves, if evaluated properly, you discover that it's carnal. It's just based on our our carnal nature. Or it's useless. It's, it's, it's like something that would would amount to nothing. Those were the things, those are the things that I have. And somehow we we have that as a focus, and that is what we are working towards. And not the real thing that we are being called to. And you see, because we pastors, we preach things that satisfies or that you can relate carnally with, does not make it right. It doesn't make it right at all. It doesn't make it, and it doesn't matter how many people preach that. It doesn't make it right. Look, God in heaven loves you and me and has an agenda for our lives. And that is why he will spare nothing to pay the price for the fulfillment of that agenda in your life and in my life. And it, it will be wise of us to seek to fulfill or seek to walk in that agenda that God has for us. And the Bible is telling us through Paul, writing to the church of Thessalonica, that they give thanks to God. They are bound to give thanks to God because of what was happening there. Because of what was happening there. And they happy that it was happening through they are preaching of the gospel to the people. And the people have now been saved and have been called to come and share in the glory of Jesus Christ. What a beauty. What a nice thing. But you see, when you are carnal, when they talk about the glory of Jesus Christ, it will mean nothing to you. You see, when you are carnal, you'll be like Esau. And your thinking will be like Esau. Who didn't value the birthright? of being the firstborn, the blessing that it comes with. And you know, why? one of the reasons why I'm emphasizing and sharing this so that we can move out of our backsliding state and begin to grow towards God, begin to press on towards the mark of our high calling, is because most of us don't realize in our desires and in our yearnings, we don't realize that a lot of people's lives are linked to your life. 
You see, Esau, in the moment of hunger, gave up what was meant to be a blessing, not only for himself, but for all that will come out of his life. In terms of children, wives, maids, and everybody. You see, Jacob's life brought a blessing not only to Jacob himself, but it brought a blessing to even the maids in the house of Jacob. It brought a blessing to so many people, including all the families of the earth. But Esau, not realizing that being the firstborn comes with a blessing. He knew it. He knew it. And later he was blaming his brother that his brother has cheated him out of his birthright and now has also cheated him out of the father's blessing. Well, of course, if you give away your birthright, that allows you to stand as the first child belonging to God of a man. That is what will happen to you. And you see, at that moment, he only thought of his stomach. But he didn't think of the other blessings that would come to the people who will come or who will be connected to his life. And many of us are not thinking that way. We are not thinking of the blessings that will come as we seek to obtain that for which we were apprehended. As we seek to become that for which God saved us. Hallelujah. And you see, no matter how much needs you will have whilst you are here on earth, it will not compare to what God has for you in mind or what God has in mind for your life. It will not compare at all. It will never compare. The Bible says, eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. What God has prepared for those who love him, for those who love him. What God has prepared for those who love him. You know, and and many of us are not even bothered about what has God prepared for me. We are not interested in it. We are just interested in what we think our lives, we, we we want to prepare for our lives. But from today, I see you changing and I see you rising out of the ashes. Amen. There are a few other descriptions that I could continue to give, but, you know, I want to go on to the causes, the principal causes of backsliding in the book, backsliding, and that's chapter three of the book. Now, I will try to summarize it. I'll try to summarize it. But basically, it's listed as emptiness, is it starts when you are empty, and which most of us as Christians are empty. We are empty. We are empty of what? We are empty of what is needed to bring us to the place of our calling. We are empty of the, the promises that God has given to us to become partakers of his nature. We are empty. And not 
You see, so let, let me just let before I'll, I'll, let me mention a few. We are empty. We are empty of the word. We are empty of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We are empty of almost anything you can imagine. That is spiritual. We are very empty. And you see, what this COVID season is revealing is how we have not been built properly. Let me put it that way. The COVID is revealing how we have not been built properly and is also offering us an opportunity to build properly. It's an act of mercy that I don't have a congregation to be motivating me to preach. But I'm looking at just a camera and I'm talking. Can I talk and still talk? Allowing the Holy Spirit to speak. Or do I need the congregation to be motivated? You sitting at home, can you have a mind that I am in church and I'm listening to the word of God? Therefore, I'm going to seclude myself and give my full attention to the word of God respectfully, listening to the Holy Spirit speaking through the servant to me. Can you do that? Now, I see all our problems, all our decos is being taken away by COVID. Whatever it is, is taken away. Now, let's be real Christians. I said, now, let's be real Christians. There's no music or there's no praise and worship leader to, to, to sing for you to say the praise and worship was nice. There's nothing like that. You either praise and worship yourself or you dry out. But I see you learning how to be a worshiper alone. When you play your music, you are the, your main prison worship leader and you begin to talk to God and interact with him. At least we are blessed. We are in an era where you can play created music by other people with a little effort. How about those days, those times, when they didn't have all the things we have, how did they praise and worship the Lord? They did it in a cappella style, in their own way. One man praise and worship, one man keyboardist, one man vocalist, one man guitarist, one man drama. Everything, they did it by themselves. And that was a genuine, real praise and worship of God. Now we are spoiled by all these instrumentations. And COVID is saying, away, away. Can you? With whatever is left, can you develop a, a good praise and worship life? Where you are, you are in your room playing music and you are talking. And they, the, the people around will be hearing you talking and talking to God. Say, Who is he talking with there? And later when you come out, they will see the glory of God upon your face. Your face will be bright, shining, beautiful. And they will know that you have had an encounter with the spirit of the living God. Amen. So, one of the causes is emptiness, and we have to do everything to take away the emptiness. Another cause is shallowness. You see, it's like you are doing something, but you are not deep enough. You see, there are things that can be, can, can be sustained 
by your shallow roots. You know, the, your roots are shallow. It can sustain some, some things, but there are some things that only a deep root, a person who is very deep in your work with God can, 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 be, can sustain. You see, there are certain situations in life that unless you are spiritually deep, you will fall. It will blow you away. It will blow you away. There are things that can happen to you in succession. And you see, if you watch carefully, most of the things that come to try your faith, they don't happen in isolation. They don't just happen once in 10 years. Sometimes they happen in, once this one is happening, that one is happening, this one is happening. It's, it's to make sure that it, you, are, you are thrown off. That's what Jesus told Peter, that Satan has desired to sift you as it. But I've prayed for you. So our roots going deep is very important. You see, and the depth of our roots or how deep we are in our work with God would also affect many our ability to resist many of the deceptive ways that the enemy introduces to us. Many of us are shallow. Yeah, we, it's better than being empty, but we are shallow. So we survive as long as certain trials, certain difficulties are not around. But once certain challenges come that demand deep roots, we are finished. You see, these challenges are actually meant to be a blessing for us. Because, for example, the sun in its scorching heat is actually a blessing for the plant. Because by the sunlight, photosynthesis and other things occur. By the sunlight, when it's quite sunny, rains also come. But unfortunately, if the plant does not have deep roots, the heat of the sun will dry it out. It would take, because the sun, when it's hot, will dry out the surface soil of its water. So if that is where the plant is taking its water from, there will be a problem. But the deeper part of the earth, the sun is not able to reach there. So roots that are there survive. And then also, it is in the deeper parts of the earth that the waters flow. That's why when you dig a borehole, you find out that a place may look dry, but as you go deep down, you will find 5,000 liters per hour flowing out. And you're asking yourself, where is it from? It's moving under the ground. So roots that can go deep can tap into water that are flowing from other places and passing by, and therefore can enjoy the benefit of the sun and not be dried out. So shallowness, we have to deal with it. Hallelujah. Now, the other point, I'm, I'm mentioning some of the causes of backsliding quickly. The other point is just last of desire, a craving, a strong craving. And you see, when, when we mention last, I know we have associated it with sex and all those things. But you see, last is a broader term, more than sex. And sometimes when the meaning of a word is, is restricted, it makes us commit or operate in those things without realizing that we are doing the same thing. You see, so lust is more of a craving or a passionate desire for things. 
it may be sexual, it may be other things. Now, many of us, our last, last for the things of the world, last for other things, is the reason of our backsliding state. You see, if you realize, I'm not saying you are backsliding. No, 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 I'm saying you are backsliding. I'm saying you are backsliding. And don't deceive yourself. Because, listen, you are backsliding. What's my evidence? Because you are not where God, where you should have been by now. You are not where you should have been by now. For the length of your Christianity, no, no, you are not where you should have been by now. Paul said to the people, for the time when you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you against the rudimentary principles of Christ, the doctrine, the basic doctrine, for that you ought to be teacher. So in other words, there is a progression that is supposed to be present in your life. And if you be honest with yourself, you realize that you are not where you are supposed to be. You are not where you are supposed to be. The greatest difficulty I'll put you in is to call you to lead a prayer right now. You will speak like somebody who has never read the Bible before. I won't do that to you, don't worry. I won't do that. Hallelujah. So the point I'm trying to say is that I'm not saying we are backsliding. Even though the book is backsliding, I, I, by my assessment and according to where we ought to be, we are backsliding. We are not where we ought to be. We are not where we ought to be. Hallelujah. And you see, the beauty is when you accept the truth, you have time to make amends. When you don't accept the truth, you will have the time to make amends, but you will never make amends because you have rejected the truth. Hallelujah. Bitterness, you know, is also a cause of backsliding. One of the things that I'm learning, can I say this? It is very few people that are able to overcome bitterness. And and those that are able to overcome bitterness are those who are spiritually alive, are those who are spiritually moving forward. People that become bitter, 90% of the cases, are already in a backsliding state. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. A spiritually alive, drawing nearer to God person, handles offenses and hurts in a completely different way. You see, the closer you get to God, the more you come to realize that whatever is offending you, you have done the same thing to other people. And you have been forgiven and has let go of it. So it, it's not difficult for you because you are spiritually alive. It's not difficult for you to let go of the offense or the hate. Because you are spiritually alive, you even see the offense and the hurt as an opportunity to even go higher. And it's often to, to demonstrate your faith and your trust in God. 
it is in your backslidden state that offenses and hurts lead to bitterness. It is in your backsliding state. When, when something that is so is so small, so minor, and whatever you are saying, it, it, it's, it's, so, you see, sometimes when I listen to people, you know, out of love and out of whatever it is, I, I, I try to understand them. But it doesn't mean that what you are saying is right. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that at all. Most of us make an issue out of nothing. Most of us make an issue out of nothing. I mean, of there's an example that is coming to my mind, but I think I want to stay of it. But listen, whatever is bringing bitterness into your heart, I want I want you to ask yourself a question. Ask yourself, what state am I? Am I in a spiritually healthy state? Am I in a spiritually healthy state, or am I in a bad state? Now, I'm telling you, bitterness. Bitterness, it occurs in people that are in the backsliding state. I didn't say in the backsliding state. In the backsliding state. Because if you are spiritual, what is it that you can accuse somebody that you have not done to another person or you have not even done to God? Let me ask you. You loved somebody and the person is not loving you back. Ah, Papa, Sisi, has not God loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son for your salvation? Have you loved him back the way you ought to? So whatever you are offended with, which is leading you to bitterness, the only reason why the offense and the hurt is not healing and not you are not forgiven is because of your backsliding state. You are like a saw. The description of you is like a saw in a patient who is suffering from diabetes. You don't heal when you should have been healing. It is not that the saw is is very potent. It is your immune state that is making the saw progress to cause gangrene. Hallelujah. But I see you being delivered. As your backsliding state gets attended to, every bitterness will be rooted out of your life in the name of Jesus. Don't say that it is your right. The the church has done this. The church has done. The church didn't do that. Listen, you are part of the church. The church is not some a tree standing somewhere. You are part of the church. What are you doing? You see, the only reason why there are many lapses is because you, who should have played your role, is not playing your role. So the systems that should have been in place to make sure that the care of everyone is excellent, it's not there. It's not there. 
Because you should have been visiting somebody. You should have been caring for somebody. But because you are not doing it, the pastor is all of a sudden overwhelmed with so many things that it is not difficult at all to forget about your issue. And then you are there and you are not even talking. Of course, if you don't talk, how will I know you are there? If you don't talk, how will I know that you are there? If you don't interact, how will I know? Ah, you say, the pastor has his favorite. Let me tell you something. The favorite of the pastors often are people who always talk to the pastor. There are people who always talk to the pastor. Being quiet in your corner and saying nothing would only end you being forgotten. One time I told one of my pastors, he said something about not being remembered. I said, because you are quiet. Because if you are quiet, how will I know you are there? Because I have thousands of people to remember. And you are quiet. So how will I know you are there? You see, sometimes you behave, yes, it's true, that as a shepherd, I have to check my flock and everything. But sometimes you behave like a patient who is sick and is expecting the doctor to know that he's sick. Because three years ago, you went to his practice as a patient. So now that you are sick, the doctor must know that you are sick. You are not serious. You are not serious. But you see, the only reason why all these things is there is because of your backbreaking state. I promise you, I promise you, the day you become spiritually alive and growing and pressing forward towards the mark of the high calling, many of these things will not even scratch you. Hallelujah. Sinfulness, sinfulness is a cause of backsliding or is a cause of a backsliding state. Of course, as we live in sin, it is hard to pray. It is hard to do many of the things we have to do. And it's no wonder we are not becoming what we ought to be. And so many other points, and sometimes it's shared disobedience, rebellious person. Your nature is rebellion. You know, some people, I don't talk to them again. I don't say a word to them. Because whatever you say, they have something to say. Why what you are saying is not the case. So I don't talk to them. I don't say anything. I just laugh and just, okay, yeah. It's powerful to work. And leave you back. You, 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 you are the one whose life will, be a, will not be a happy one. Let me put it that way. One time somebody told me, Bishop, at that time I think I was reverend or so. If I, I mean I'm the same person, nothing has changed. It's just responsibilities that is keep that keep changing. Somebody said to me, if this is what you are going to talk to me about, then I'm out of here. Yeah, that, that's what the person said to me. And the person left me. And you are surprised that your life is a continual struggle. Yeah. Because you see, sometimes it is a small change. It's not a big change. It's a small change you need to bring into your life. And many of the struggles you have will cease. It's a small change. A small change. But unfortunately, 
and so on and so forth. Now, in closing, in closing, what time do I have? I still have some few minutes. Yeah, in closing, you see, the things that I've mentioned, the shallowness or the emptiness, the shallowness, the last, the bitterness, the sinfulness, and all the things that put us in a backslidden state can be dealt with. I said, can be dealt with by giving ourselves wholly to our Christian life. That is the wisdom of the serpent. The wisdom of giving yourself wholly. And by the way, by the way, what I'm saying is wise as a serpent, I think chapter 5 or so, the snake gives itself wholly to what would bring and keep it alive. It doesn't do things half-hearted. When it needs food to eat, it gives itself wholly to it by involving the mouth, involving the body, and everything. The snake is committed to what it's doing. And that is his wisdom. That is its wisdom. So if we are going to be wise as a serpent, then we need to understand that, you see, your relationship with Jesus and therefore your relationship with God is your everything. It's your life. It's your everything. God is the beauty of your life. Jesus is the light of your life. And you cannot be half-hearted. I said you cannot be half-hearted in bringing to pass that which God has said concerning your life. Whatever your role is, it must be whole commitment. We are wise as servants by giving ourselves Holy to the task of our life becoming what God wants it to be. Now, many of us, this is where we are found wanting. We hear sermons. We hear exhortations. We sometimes feel, yeah, it's a good thing. But we don't give ourselves holy. To what needs to be done. You see, you cannot be filled with the Spirit by being half-hearted, committed to being filled with the Spirit. Because remember this, you are not living in an enemyless environment. No. You are not residing in an opposition-free environment. In fact, you don't have to go far to discover an opposer to that vision of God for your life. And that opposer is your own very flesh, your own very carnal nature. 
it is it is contrary to the spirit. And the two are in constant battle. So you cannot have an enemy so close and be half-hearted or be half-committed. Many of us have no prayer life because we have not given ourselves wholly to the development of a prayer life. And I'm telling you, it's not easy. Don't, don't get me wrong that, oh, it's you are lazy. Yes, your laziness is, is part of it. But the, I'm saying that even when you give yourself wholly to it, it's not going to be an outright victory once, once I mean, one touch, no victory. No, it's a struggle. It's a struggle because you are, have to accomplish something in the enemy's territory. And the closer the enemy is to you, the more effective is the enemy against you. And your flesh is an enemy. Your natural self is an enemy to your spiritual life. So unless we adopt the wisdom of the serpent and give ourselves unreservedly committed to seeing to come to pass what God has said in our lives, it will not work. It will not work. I said it will not work. Yeah. It will not work. You have to be fully committed. I said you have to be fully committed. I'm not talking about being a shepherd. I'm talking about you being what God has called you to be. To share in the glory of his Christ. I think 2 Peter chapter 4, chapter 1 says something that it keeps coming to me. I didn't want to read it, but it keeps coming. I read from verse 1. I'm going to verse, verse 3 and 4, but I read from verse 1. I see you rising and being held by God. As you give yourself wholly to his purpose for your life. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you here? Are you in this description? I believe you are in it. Not that I believe you are in it. I know you are in it. It says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of our God and of Jesus Christ, or of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. You see, Paul wrote that we are being called to share in the glory of Christ. Peter is writing 
that we have been called to glory and virtue. So in case you think it's Paul who is just saying it, Peter is also saying the same. It says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through last. But I said, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. What are these promises that have been given unto us? You see, you can't be half-hearted to discover these promises and to walk in them. It's a whole sermon that I don't want to go I don't want to really go detail into it, but at another time we can talk about it. But you see, you see that we have been given exceeding great and precious promises. That by these promises, we might be partakers of the divine nature. We might be partakers. You, a simple sinner, I mean a simple flesh like me, will be a partaker of the divine, sinless nature of God. But you see, we, we, I didn't give myself half-heartedly to the learning of medicine in that, to, be, to be a doctor. No. I gave myself fully. And the Bible is telling us there are this knowledge to the knowledge of God and also exceeding great promises that has been given to us. These promises, most of us don't know, and most of us don't walk in it. One of them that readily can is the promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, this is the promise that was given. The promise that was given, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And if we are not giving ourselves fully to this promise, of the Holy Spirit, who, who is now in us? If we are not giving ourselves fully to him, how can we manifest that which we are called to manifest? Hallelujah. So you see, you are empty. You are shallow. Bitterness is dominating you and me. Lust has enveloped us in different directions. Sin is all over. Foolishness, all the things you can mention that are listed as some of the principal causes of backsliding. It's all over us. Why? Because we are not committed fully to becoming what God wants us to become. Because you see, many of the things that are operating in our lives that are keeping us in a backsliding state, the day we become committed, by our commitment and the working of this exceeding precious promises. As they begin to work in our lives, the Bible says that by them we will escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. By them we will escape that corruption. So, brothers and sisters, fellow Christians, I believe that this is a year of being wise as a serpent. And the wisdom of the serpent 
is that it gives one of its wisdom is that it gives itself wholly to its prey in making sure when it has to swallow the task of swallowing so that he will enjoy. You see, the snake has killed the animal. By first of all, involving, especially the python, the python would kill the animal, not by venom, no. No, not, not by venom. The python will just give itself, when they say, you, I hold on to you so that you don't slip away from me with my teeth. I have no venom to inject you with. But I have something that I can do. I will wrap my whole body around you. And every time you breathe, I take out your ability to breathe by just tightening myself more. That's it. And when it is done, no matter your size, it will employ, it loosens its jaws and everything and will swallow you whole. Yeah. The wisdom of the snake is, if it needs all of me, I'm willing to give all of me. But Jesus said it, that except you deny yourself and you give yourself completely, you cannot be my disciple. You are not worthy of me. You are not worthy of my glory. So listen, let us give ourselves unreservedly to the purpose for which God has saved us. Let us give ourselves unreservedly to the full manifestation of our salvation. Listen, being born again is just the beginning of the salvation process. Being born again is an event. But salvation is a process. Being born again is just an event. There's a day you say, I accept Jesus, and you are born again. But seeing the manifestation of salvation is a process. Because salvation is deliverance, healing, recovery. So You see, we have made salvation to be equal to born again. But salvation is bigger than being born again. As a salvation is bigger than being born again. Hallelujah. And I see you this year, you are going to give yourself holy. Whatever is standing in your way and hindering you, I pray against it. And I release the wisdom of giving yourself holy through the work of the Holy Spirit to touch your life, to touch your heart, that you will give yourself holy to becoming what you ought to be. And you shall be. Jesus said you are the light of this world. You shall be the light of this world. Jesus said you are the salt of the earth. You shall be the salt of the earth. Hallelujah. Through you, many good things will happen on this earth. You will not live and depart this earth when your time is up. Having enjoyed extra years, extra time, without living behind this earth. Many lives that you have eternally touched. What have they called you a fornicator? Don't worry, it will change. As you give yourself holy to the promises that God has given to you, the promise of his Holy Spirit, the promise 
of his faithfulness, he who has begun a good work in you, will be faithful to complete it. I see you becoming what God has ordained you to be. You will never leave this earth as an uncompleted work. No. You shall be complete. And you shall be completed on time so that you can be a blessing unto many people. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I wanted to thank the Lord for this moment. Bless his holy name. Give him praise. Thank him that you are giving, you are operating the wisdom of the serpent by giving yourself holy. Emptiness, no more. Shallowness, doesn't exist. Bitterness, last, it has no dominion. Because you give yourself holy to the precious promises that has been granted to us by which we shall escape the corruption that is in this world. It is not our work, it's the Lord's work. And thank God that we have the assurance that he who has begun a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. You shall not die in a bacterial state. No. You shall live your full time, even with extra time. And you shall exit this world in grand style. Having touched and touching many lives, blessing and affecting many dimensions of humanity because you gave yourself holy to your calling. Your call unto salvation. Your call to share in the glory of the Lord. It shall happen in your life. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for your people. Thank you that none of us shall fail our calling. But as you have called us, so shall we be. By operating the wisdom of giving ourselves holy. Whatever has stood in the way, thank you that it no longer is able to stand in our way. Because we are free. We bless you to give you praise. As every head is bowed and every eye closed, I want to invite you to give your life to Jesus. Jesus is the answer for the world today. And it is only in Jesus that we can have life. What is happening in this world today? Not to have Jesus in your life is not to have hope. Jesus in us is our hope of glory. Jesus in us is our hope of laughing at the enemy and saying, you tried, but you didn't succeed. Therefore, today, the word of God says, for as many as believed on Jesus, he gave them power to become the sons of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son to condemn the world, but that the world through might be saved. It is only when we reject Jesus that condemnation would come to us. But as long as you are alive today and you can hear my voice inviting you to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have a chance. Let us pray. You want to pray this prayer with me? Follow me in this prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for a beautiful day like this. Thank you for loving me just as I am and for drawing me to you. Today, I come to you 
acknowledging my sins and admitting that I have been a rebel, having gone my own way. But today I come to you and say, Lord, you are my maker and I submit completely to you. Lead me and guide me in this life. As I declare my faith in Jesus Christ as your son who came to die for me, I receive Jesus into my heart as my Lord and my Savior. Father, thank you that by the blood of Jesus, my sins are forgiven. Thank you that through my confession of Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior, through my declaration of his resurrection from the dead, I stand as a new person in your eyes. Thank you for this love. Jesus, my master, I'll follow you as you lead me. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit and make me a faithful follower of you. Thank you for loving me and dying for my sins. Amen. Let me pray for those. Father, I thank you for many of our members who have experienced tragedies, difficult times. The enemy has struck in many areas, including the passing away of the many relatives. But Lord, we know that you are still God when you're on your throne. Your mercy, let it keep us. May we not be shaken, but may we see things through your eyes and be stronger than when we first began. Keep us safe from evil. Cause us to escape this wicked virus. Let it not have power over us, but may we overcome it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We believe you've been blessed by this message. To stay connected, follow our LCI social media platforms.